The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to this week's edition of the Sooners 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners360.com. This is episode number 11. We are covering some portal talk today. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners360.com. I'm also joined by our guest, if you want to call him that, occasional co-host, the one and only Barry Wise. He's here to give us a little input on the class of 2023, what these players look like down in Orlando at the All-American game. We have some updates on the other All-American game happening right now in San Antonio. And of course, Chris, we have a ton of portal info to get through. Before we get there, there's a little confusion. I'm a little confused. People on the border a little confused about this January calendar and how the portal works, how the visits work. Can you dive into that a little bit, Chris? Yeah, it's it's kind of confusing because usually for high school football recruiting, there's a dead period from the moment the signing period ends until right after the college football playoffs. And there's also usually like a coaches convention after that. So they usually have a window from about from about, you know, middle of December until mid-January that it's a dead period, that coaches can't visit recruits, recruits can't be on campus, and uh, no activity can really take place. Uh, the All-Star Games also go on during that time period. So it's, it's, it's always been blacked out, um, blacked out for like the last about 10 years. So, but the portal's kind of thrown everything off calendar-wise. So what the NCAA did this year for the first year is that they've allowed they're allowing portal players to take official visits starting yesterday, January fourth through January eighth. Now, then the college football playoff uh, final game is on Monday the ninth, and they have a couple of days for like a coaches convention and some other stuff, and then on the thirteenth of January. It's a, it's a wide open time period until signing day again on uh, February 1st. So uh, starting February 13th, high school kids can start taking official visits again. Portal players can take official visits and coaches can be on the road doing official, doing in homes and uh, evaluating kids. And you're also probably going to see to make things just more packed. The final weekend of January, the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th, I anticipate OU will host their first sort of junior day for 2024 kids. So you're going to see a lot of activity in this time frame in January. You're going to have finishing the portal, finishing 2023, and we're already starting to see a lot of 24 verbals start to go out, and you're going to start to see 24 you know, get, get ramped up. So that's how the calendar works. Um, signing day for high school players is February 1st. 
the last day that coaches can see prospects in person on campus is January 29th. And the two days leading up to signing day, the 30th and the 31st are dead, is a dead period. And then signing day will be the 1st of February. It's always the first Wednesday in February, which this year is February 1st. And then all of February will be a dead period. And then 24 recruiting will then kick off again in, on March 1st with uh, unofficial visits and, jun and um, junior days. But the last thing is the portal for, in order to be eligible immediately, the portal closes on the 19th. And that's the last day that a player can submit to be in the portal. Once they're in the portal, they can then enroll wherever they want um, the rest of January. That's really just going to depend upon the academic situation at each institution. Um, for those who've been through college, you understand how drop ad works. And there's a certain window where you can still sort of get into classes and get a schedule created, you know, six to seven days after classes start. And I think OU's drop ad ends on the 30th. So technically, if OU, somebody entered the portal on the 18th that OU just absolutely wanted to get, if they could arrange a visit and uh, the, the player chooses and they could get them in a Norman and get their classes scheduled, they could get them onto campus, you know, maybe as late as, uh, you know, January 26th or even the 27th. Well, we're roughly one month into the portal. Um, we've been calling it portal madness just because, you know, names are coming out of the woodwork left and right. Schools are losing some of them 20 plus people. So over the first month, we saw a lot of names hit the portal. So we thought maybe this January period would be a little bit slower in new names. It'd be uh, some time for the staff to really evaluate, get some guys on campus. but. As we're seeing lately, Chris, more guys are hitting the portal, and now it's higher quality guys across the board. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there was a massive run of sort of quarterbacks and wide receivers and group of five players in December. But what we're seeing right now um, in this new time period is we're seeing a lot of high quality five-star players that actually have some pet, you know, four or five-star power five players that actually have some pedigree uh, at the school they're leaving. In December, we saw some power five guys, highly rated guys who just, who, who weren't panning out at their current school. Um, you know, let's, let's just call it what it is, like Clayton Smith, uh, like Brockenmeyer from Alabama, uh, Trey Sanders from Alabama just found a home at TCU. Uh, there were a number of players from A&M um, who, who entered the portal. Um, highly ranked, highly ranked kids who just weren't really panning out. So what's changed now is, you know, uh, Justin Rogers, we'll talk a little bit about him coming up, is, you know, he's a five-star defensive tackle from Kentucky who's played at Kentucky, and he has two years of eligibility. He just showed up in the portal. So the... So we're going to start seeing, I think, some more surprise names hit. And what's going to make this really kind of intense is, you know, recruiting a high-end football player. You know, OU recruited PJ, you know, Adebore, you know, from about February until December. 
Well, this process now is going to basically occur in almost four days for a lot of these players. They're going to enter the portal and try and get a couple of visits in and make a quick decision. So you're 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 talking unless you had a pre-existing relationship with a player, um, you're you may be creating trying to create that you know that 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 uh that relationship um, uh, in four days that you're as a as a college football recruiter you're usually used to you know building in eight to nine months. So it's going to create some craziness. And the other thing is you may you may see players drop in and off schools lists as they add players or as a new player pops in that they view as higher on their list than another player. So the trying to keep track of who's going to be visiting OU and who's actually on campus is going to be incredibly tough because a lot of these guys have have pre-existing relationships with OU. They have OU offers. They're power five players. They're not going to tweet out every offer they have or tweet out every school they're visiting. Um, unlike their their high school experience where they would tell us just, you know, they would tell us almost everything that was going on. So it's 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 going to be crazy for us to track. And that kind of leads into our, our first piece of big and big good news. Yeah. So you've mentioned Justin Rogers, five star. You mentioned some of these power five guys that are hitting the portal as kind of a surprise. There's also a group of five guys. Um, you can find some diamonds in the rough there. OU is hoping that they found one uh, new commit. He committed today while on campus. Offensive guard Caleb Schaefer, uh, six foot five, three hundred twenty pounds, transferring from Miami of Ohio. There's a lot to like about this kid. Barry, what are your thoughts so far? I mean, the OU. One of the things that they had to get out of this transfer portal cycle, if you will was experience and reliability um we've seen some guys maybe be a little more hit and miss currently on the roster probably more so than fans would like i won't name names but everybody kind of knows who we're talking about in that regard um don't know if certain guys are going to even hang around so this was an area of need that ou needed to fill and a, a year ago i think fans were excited uh, about bringing in a guy like like Matower, but with uh, with Caleb, I I think there is, I think there's an upgrade there. Just watching the film, um, you know, a couple things that pop out is one, not even on film, but just the reliability piece. Uh, the guys played a ton of snaps, a lot of just good quality football experience, but tenacity. Right on the field, he he's a guy who finishes through the whistle, maybe a little a little more so, kind of on that edge, if you will, that I know fans want uh, Beatenbow to really get back to or or seem to get back to. Um, plays really low, just kind of a one of those fundamentally sound players with a, a little bit of that edge. I don't think he's a Drew Samia, but maybe a little more of a Ben Powers in terms of just the the play style is not anything where he's going to get a bunch of penalties but extremely strong hands he he's the kind of guy who if he gets you with a right or a left it's going to send any uh, when OU goes and plays these you know court sort of middle of the pack and their non-conference teams he's going to handle those guys pretty well well when they level up and, and see the 
the Texases of the world with some of those guys along their defensive front, you know, a TCU, some of these teams that are that have stacked a little bit of talent, you might see the uh, the the line of ability uh, maybe dissipate a little bit. He he might struggle with that top end level like everybody does. Uh, but for what OU needs and a guy who can potentially be a leader on a relatively young offensive line next season, uh, still, um, I, I think he's important. You know, yeah, I know you has a OU has um a nice connection to Miami, Ohio. James Pattern, the former OU offensive line coach, is a has coached Schaefer, and Patton has connections to Joe John Finley and Brent Venables. So it removes a little bit of the unknown factor there because you have someone whose background you really trust and uh who you have a you have strong relationships with. So it removes a little bit of the unknown. And I, I think I think we're going to find out that Schaefer may be OU's number one interior guard target um, from the portal. They offered him back in back in early December, and they were they were obviously just waiting for their their. Uh, I mentioned last week that OU had gotten fourteen new visits to use during this time period and, and to use in January. You know, Schaefer was in Norman like Wednesday morning, so. OU was not hanging about in terms of scheduling him for a visit or getting him on campus. So they have a precious number of visits and they used, they used one early to get Schaefer on campus. And he's been waiting, sitting in the portal for about one, I think at least three, four weeks waiting for OU to bring him in. Well, it sounds like OU might've gotten their guy there. Uh, He wasn't the only guy on campus this week. Uh, again, like Chris said, visits opened yesterday. Uh, we have heard there are four or five other visitors along with Caleb Schaefer this week, including Tyrone Broden, a wide receiver at a Bowling Green. Very interesting prospect for a couple of reasons, the least of which his height stands at six foot seven. Uh, Barry, what do you think about Broden and his ability to? stretch the field at that size. You one of the things about him is he has the almost a surprising level of balance. I know with some of these offensive linemen that, that, that are kind of on the bigger, the the taller side of things we'll talk about later, uh that can be an issue. Anytime you are pushing really it's about six four, six five. Um anytime you're pushing that height it gets tougher in the game of football. It's not like basketball where everybody's kind of playing at the same level. When you have a game that is built on physicality and leverage, um, it, it can be tough. But he has extremely good balance, uh, solid speed. Um, I, I think he's a guy who is going to win with length more than he wins with quickness. But he's kind of an added dimension where, like, what do you do with him? Can you you know, put him in the slot, almost like um, how OU used to create mismatches with guys like Mark Andrews and Austin Stogner. You know, maybe his height can offer some differing things there. Uh, do you put him on the outside and just let him go beat a corner? I mean, in the red zone, he's a potential threat. Um, so, so there's a lot that you could do with him, but really good hands. You know, seems to have pretty soft hands. Can can high point the ball well, and 
one of the things that I think was missing with a lot of previous receiver prospects, especially the guys on the bigger side where it seemed like, what did OU miss? And a lot of times it was, can that guy play on balance? And that is, I don't want to get necessarily into the weeds, but a lot of times when you see a big guy or a taller, longer receiver that struggles to get out of his breaks or be able to high point a ball before a defensive back does and actually go get it, you say, well, what's the issue there? A lot of times it's a guy who can properly kind of diagnose on the spot where that center of mass is and really find his balance. And that comes through good core strength. That comes through having a very strong, solid lower body, solid base. And I, I think I think Broden's a guy who offers that. You know, his, 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 his highlight reel, the thing that sort of impressed me the most, and it's kind of what you've talked about a little more technically, Barry, but sort of from a little more of an amateur eye, was he just looked really fluid. He didn't look mechanical or awkward. And and sometimes you expect sort of a you know a six foot seven, two hundred and ten pound guy to not be to just not look that fluid athletically. Um, and to me, that's what he really showed. He just looked, he just looked like, as you said, you, you just use the term balance and I'm going to use the term that he just sort of looked, he didn't look awkward. He just looked very fluid to me. I was, I was, I thought this was like a project and OU was kind of suffering from Johnny Wilson post-traumatic stress from the bowl game. And they were like, we got to grab a super huge wide receiver. Um, but then when you see his film, I, I was really, I was surprised how, how good it was really was I'd go out on a limb and say, I, I think he would be in the too deep pretty quick. And maybe that's not much of a limb, but I, I think he would be up there pretty quick. Well, another guy that's got a lot of length, um, but he also outweighs Broden by about 110 pounds. Stanford left tackle, Walter Rouse. Uh, we believe he is on campus currently or was in the last 24 hours. Uh, perhaps our number one target at tackle. So we've got maybe our number one target at offensive guard on campus now committed. We think the number one tackle target is also on campus, and we're hoping to get a commitment from him. Chris, what can you tell me about Rouse? He's a three-year starter at Stanford. So he's had he's got a lot of experience. Stanford has struggled the last couple of years, but they're still very much well-known for their O-line. Michigan, you know, who's kind of the the gold standard in O-line right now, took two Stanford transfers um, during this portal period. So OU has been waiting on Rouse, a little bit like Schaefer. Rouse has been in the portal for a while because of the whole turnover with David Shaw, and he's been waiting for OU to have a visit. And again, he was right on campus immediately when this window opened up. And I think, you know, with, with the injury to Jacob Sexton from the bowl game, offensive tackle from the portal went from kind of a, a luxury item to an absolute necessity. Cause I don't think Jacob's Jacob Sexton can be relied upon to be in the two deep next fall, at least not early. And I think if OU is, has their druthers, they'll, they'll probably just try and redshirt him because of how late the knee injury occurred and how bad it was. So 
Walter Rouse, you plug him in with Tyler Guyton, and then you have Savion Bird, and then you have maybe Craig Schaefer or Jake Taylor, and then we'll, we get to, we'll get to the center position in a second. All of a sudden, you you could start having some nice mix of veterans, young 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 guns, and veterans in a in an O line that could be really really good. There's a lot to like about Rouse. Uh, um, from an athletic standpoint, Barry, what what do you see on tape? Uh, I mean, he's obviously got some length. You know, I think his he he's much better at using leverage than he is at getting to the spot that he necessarily needs to get to. If the, and what I mean by that is he sort of wins with good positioning and technique more so than he wins with just outstanding athleticism, the ability to move the feet. Um, he has really good predictive ability. Um, you know, one of the things when you sort of watch him play to play, and this is something that I like doing with offensive linemen, Caleb, much better than me at this, but I like, you know, cutting things down to, okay, we're just going to watch the passing downs consecutively in a game, you know, for the next, we'll watch like 15 plays in a row, right? And typically you might see uh, some guys come in and out on defense, but for the most part, you're seeing a lot of the same faces. And some guys don't have the ability to diagnose what that end is is going to do play to play. So they end up guessing. And guys who have good athleticism, you know, guys like an Anton Harrison, right? Guys like, a, um, trying to think right off the bat, uh, just back at OU, Lane Johnson, another great example, just really good feet. But if you don't necessarily have those super just kind of naturally explosive feet, you have to be good well, with the, the understanding of the game and saying, okay, this guy has you know, done a couple inside moves. I have a feeling on this down, this distance, this situation, he's probably going to try to go outside. So let me, play the, that, let me play that positioning on this play better. And I think, I think he offers that. He's still got good punch in his hands. Um, has some plays here and there he can get a little high, but it's it's nothing that I don't think Oklahoma is is it's not a deal breaker by any means, especially with the need of depth. And it's it's still probably better than what we've seen from some other guys currently on the roster this past season. Well, in playing at Stanford, you know he's he's a smart guy. Um like you mentioned, he plays with good technique, good position. So getting that guy out there is going to help. Another guy that we've heard is uh, very smart. Uh, Chris mentioned we would get to the offensive center position in a little bit. There's another offensive lineman that's been on campus that Lebby and Dylan Gabriel are very familiar with. Matt Lee, a 6'4", 295-pound center, is transferring from UCF. It's interesting when we first heard this news that they're bringing a center in, but as we thought about it, you know, Chris, it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Well, first, I think I think it's I think it would be fair to say that Andrew Rame has been injury prone so far. I don't think that's too much of a criticism. So, I mean, he missed the bowl game for surgery. Now, 
he should be back for spring. But I think, you know, if you bring in Matt Lee, if you're able to bring in Matt Lee, it allows you to perhaps look at Andrew Rain at one of the guard positions, which is giving you much more flexibility with your offensive line group. So he's, you know, I think um, the athletic has him as like the number one offensive lineman in the portal right now. Um, track, they're tracking that he's, you know, he's been a three year, three year, um, three year player at center. Um, very, you know, D Dylan Gabriel was, seems to be very excited about him come possibly him coming to Norman. Should be. Um, <laughs> Dylan was, uh, was taught, you know, po- I don't think it's a coincidence that he posted his, 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 uh, his graphic about coming back tonight, the same night that Matt Lee's on campus. Well, there's that familiarity there. Barry, what, what do you think Lee brings athletics, athleticism wise? So I don't want people to take this the, the wrong way because I think he was a fantastic player, but just imagine a much stronger and more, don't want to say more disciplined, but, but a, a stronger, more just naturally gifted Ty Darlington at center, a guy who is incredibly reliable. Um, again, that seems to kind of be the, the, the trend with some of the guys that OU is, is looking at in the portal is like, does this person have a history of getting it done on a, on a week to week basis? Um, I think just comparing him straight up with Rame, the strength piece, I don't know if it's close. I'm, I'm, it's not to say that Rame won't eventually get there, but I think strength wise, I think Lee's got him in that department. I think when it comes to, to the feet, you know, how quickly they can get out on certain things. Maybe that's a little bit closer, but I think Lee is just, he's more developed from an athletic standpoint. Um, You know, if you were going to look at both of these guys in the gym, I would imagine that Lee's probably got him on just about probably 50 to 60% of the lifts are not going to be a coin flip. I would imagine Lee's probably got him on a number of those. And usually that plays out on the field. I mean, typically stronger guys in the gym, uh, well, when they're training, that, that tends to also bear itself out when you get out on the gridiron. And I think what you're seeing with them going after Lee is saying, while we like what we have, we know that, there is a place we need to get to as a program in order for us to do what we want to do this year. And it's not to say Rabe can't eventually get there, or maybe like you said, they, they move him out to guard, see if that is maybe a little bit better fit. Uh, because that was one of the issues with Rame is well, when the, the talent and the size and the strength took that uptick, it wasn't that he played poorly but he didn't necessarily make guys move. He didn't change the line of scrimmage. And I think with Lee, you're getting more of that. Well, no matter how it shakes out, that's that's three linemen that the, the coaching staff really likes. They're bringing them in. They all have experience, multi-year starters. I think all three of them have three years of starting experience, um, at least three years of playing experience. Um, so they're looking for that depth up front. 
to really make a push, um, which is very promising. Um, if we circle the defense, there's a couple defensive linemen on campus. You know, talk about overhauling that side of the line. We had Rondell, he goes by Rondi, both Royd, defensive end, 6'4, 265, transferring from Wake Forest. We did confirm that he is on campus and he obviously brings a lot of experience, a lot of production. And he's a guy that you could slot in right away at strong side defensive end. What do you think, Chris? Well, I've been talking him up for like the last three, four weeks. So I'm not going to stop now. I think he's he's a key recruit. Uh, I think OU needs, you know, they, they have Trace Ford. Ford comes in with a little bit of an injury profile, is a little smaller player. Uh, I think Ford kind of fits your ideal fourth quarter pass rush specialist kind of role. I, but but Boothroyd is like an every down defensive end. He's stopping the run, setting the edge. He provides a good pass rush. Uh he's is he is he blazing fast? No, but he's he he knows exactly what he's doing at the position and he's been extremely productive the last two years uh at Wake Forest. So I think this is this is a this is a plug and play starter for for to rebuild their defense while the young guys are 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 getting up to speed. I think he's also like Jacob Lacey, one of those guys that you you plug in. He's a leader. He's a he's a mentor and and provides uh, and and provides just great value to your team. Well, at his size, you know, you would kind of expect a chiseled, cut up, strong guy. It's kind of interesting cuz he doesn't really look like um, you know, a David versus Goliath. He's not a Goliath there on the edge, but he's productive. Barry, how do you think he makes that happen? Ah, it, it's tough to say. I mean, some guys just have the ability to just, they, they know how to use their body really well. I have a philosophy of just because, just because a guy doesn't necessarily give off that sort of Greek God look, doesn't mean that there aren't some really good athletic qualities about that person, uh, about that athlete. And I think one of the things that he's really good at is understanding where the opposing offensive lineman plays um, in terms of their leverage or their level. And he just gets lower than them. He, He has, seems like just really strong hands in general. So the the ability to kind of shuck and move and do things that can help set up moves with the lower half, uh, set up the footwork um, in terms of what's going on with the hands. I feel like he's pretty skilled in that department, uh, plays the game with his brain. He's thinking about what he's going to do next, which in my mind is what separates sort of the he could be really good from is really good and I don't think he's going to step in there and you know be some all world you know Dan Cody or you know any anything of, of that nature but a guy who can play the run really well who can get after the passer a little bit and and when he needs to offer some explosiveness but I, I don't think it's going to be anything like a guy like PJ offers but what he does offer is consistency you you know he's going to be in the right spot you know he's going to 
you know, play it the correct way. So there's a lot to like. Another defensive lineman we had on campus, uh, defensive tackle this time, uh, Davin Sears, 6'2", 295, out of Texas State. Uh, there was some questions about him coming in. I know uh, our, our good buddy on the board, Sooner 55, had a lot of good things to say about his athleticism. Um, but the coaching staff just wanted to get him on campus, kind of feel him out. He does have some other good top offers from Tennessee and Penn State. So he is on campus. I believe he's already left. Um, but there's still some questions about whether or not he is a take. Chris, what's the latest on C? Yeah, he's 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 obviously visited. He's now on his way to Tennessee. And we've you know, we're gonna get to some of the names coming up in a bit, but there's just been a lot more defensive tackle and D-line action in the portal the last two days, like an insane amount, kind of. So I've I you know, we've it's kind of gone back and forth as to where OU um is with Sears, and I think we're in the I think we're in the middle of not quite sure where he is. Um, I think two things. One thing that you know might be is, might be affecting OU's numbers at D line is Jordan Kelly's status, and and Jordan hasn't put out a graphic yet. We we have we strongly believe that Jordan's coming back, but he hasn't put out a graphic yet. So I mean, for some reason, that information is wrong, and OU doesn't have Jordan Kelly next year that that really thins the room out even more but if he is coming back then if OU is able to get um a Bothroyd and they already have Jacob Lacey and they're still looking at you know two three other guys things are starting to get a little a little tight numbers wise so I think it's something that we're gonna have to see play out over the next three four days uh, we know he didn't leave Norman committed to OU he's he's heading to Tennessee so I think we need to just let Sears play out over the next couple of days and, and see see what else happens. Barry, what do you what do you think about the upside at the defensive tackle position, you know, with or without Sears? I mean, we saw at the end of the season just the the development piece. I know we've talked about it a ton on the Barry and Mac show. You know, we've brought up if we were going to just grade the coaches based on the beginning of the year product to the end of the year product. What did it look like? I think we would have to say defensive tackle is, is probably the, the best looking position outside of, I guess maybe you could say safety, you know, saw some really good development at cornerback. You couldn't really argue with that, but we knew at Sooners 360 that the defensive line was a, was a question mark. You know, some people tabbed it as not going to have any issues and, you know, it's going to be, you know, rocking and rolling. And then they get out there and when they play some real, you know, pretty stiff competition in that first conference game, you see some of the holes. We saw a much different defensive front when OU played Florida State than you saw when OU played Kansas State. And and I think there's a lot to like. I know a that there was some grief given to Isaiah Coe from, from some of the fans when he announced that he was returning. And I, I'm sure you guys would agree with this, but Coe does still need the development 
But a guy with his size, a guy with his length, I don't care what he necessarily did at Oklahoma on tape. Of course, that does matter to scouts. But if he got an invite to a team or if they come to OU's Pro Day and see him, they are going to want to see him more and talk to him more just based on on what he looks like. Because those guys don't grow on trees. Explosive players who are really strong, really big, have some good speed uh, to their game. You know, and Co, who has a little bit of a nasty streak from time to time, you and also shows some good leadership. I, I think that's going to be a surprising sort of underrated uh, piece of this next year. Is, is what does he take that to the next level and show NFL scouts that he can also be that on a team? Right, but I think it's not where it needs to be in terms of that high end, high ceiling talent, uh, especially across the interior. But if you can go grab someone who does have that, if or by just shared numbers upgrade, I, I think you have a solid product going into year two for bait. And I think, um, you know, we have a we have a a good source indicating to us that, that Grayson Holton is going to probably stay inside and that he's really working to, um, to re to sort of work on his overall conditioning and his physique that he dropped good, dropped some bad weight during bowl, uh, doing, during the, the whole, the whole December timeframe that he's down to about two sixty, and that OU is going to try and build him back up to a very, to the two up to around 275, 280. Hopefully by this fall, he'll be, he's got good speed. He's got good athleticism. He's got a burst. So if you can get, you can get him up to the uh, 280, the proper way, uh, he could start really being a piece of, um, of an interior D line. So with a, a reworked Halton, uh, co confirming he's coming back, Kelly, we assume he's coming back. The overall production of that room, how, how it improved over the season. Perhaps Sears is just kind of a, hey, let's get him in. Let's feel him out. We won't push too hard. They do have a couple other tackles that we'll get to in a minute on the list. They're working on some visits. But in the meantime, there are two other uh, portal guys expected on campus by this weekend. Chris, what, you, what can you tell me about those two visitors? Well, we've been expecting Xavier Weaver, the uh, USF wide receiver. He's about 6'1", 180. He has a lot of speed to his game. He's been very, very productive at USF. Uh, would looks like he would be a really good fit for OU at the wide receiver spot. I know OU fans are a little wondering when are we a wide receiver? We need a wide receiver. Um, I think the Marvin Mims decisions been hurting OU in the portal a little bit. Um, I don't think it hurt OU with Caden Prather choosing Maryland. According to our sources, OU tried to get Prather on campus. He was he he just wanted to go back home. So there's not really he's from the Maryland area, the Maryland DC area. So there's not really much OU can do about that. So Weaver would Weaver would fill would fill a wide receiver position and would fill a slot. Same thing. Uh, he would be a very different wide receiver than Broden. So if Broden's six seven and sort of fits it, it would be you know two very different wide receivers. Weaver's got you know a lot more sort of wiggle and and uh, acceleration to him. And then we've been hearing that Ethan White, the guard from Florida, was supposed to visit. 
I, I don't know if Caleb Schaefer verbaling has made that um, kind of a has canceled that visit. If Schaefer may have gone on campus first and, and taken the interior guard spot, it, it, that could also maybe depend upon Matt Matt Lee, um, the the center from UCF. If, if OU gets Matt Lee too, I I would think two interior portal offensive linemen and 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 OU is done. Well, you you mentioned uh, receivers. I'll circle back to that real, real quick. You know, you got Broden on campus. You've got Weaver expected. We did see a, another former OU target hit the portal very recently. Uh, J. Michael Sturdivant, 6'3", 200-pound wide receiver, just announced he is leaving Cal. He is a former DFW product. Um, Barry, what are your thoughts on Sturdivant? got to go get him and there was a reason OU liked him out of out of high school uh there there's a reason why he um is going to I don't know if he'll have his pick of where he wants to go but he's going to have a lot of suitors not not a lot of folks have a body like he does uh not a lot of players have the the route running ability that he does, and I'm sure a guy like Dmac could speak on that more. Uh, but he's polished in his game. He has great hands. Um, he's a guy who is explosive out of a break, even for his size. You know, he's not some little burner. He's going to be able to, you know, get inside and box the guy out. But there is some serious um, movement to his game that allows him to create some separation. I would love to see a guy like him get an offseason with Jerry Schmidt and see what that does uh, to his game. Because I think, personally, Sturdivant has all-American potential um, in, in terms of what he could do if he really maximized his frame, got in there, got some quality coaching, which I, I know that's a question mark you know, on down the road. But um, I think there is no question you have to try and go get him. Well, well he was funny. a freshman. He was a freshman All-American. So uh, at Cal, Cal is Cal is a terrible is a ter- is a terrible offense. I think that's a fair statement to say. Statistically speaking, it's you know somewhere in the Iowa um, level of offense, and for him to get noticed enough to be a freshman All-American. And get nearly 800 yards receiving out of that offense is is speaks to speaks to his talent level. And he was OU was in his final four coming out of high school. Um, I would guess LSU is probably somewhere in this battle as well. I you know OU, I think OU wants to make a big push for for Jay Michael. Um, maybe he wants to come back home, and that will that will help OU. Um, but yeah, he's him coming into the portal. I think may may upset the wide receiver order a little bit. Yeah, it kind of speaks to this uh, portal madness we've been talking about. You know, you've got the West Virginia kid. Oh, we have to get him. The Louisiana Tech kid, who um, you know, by all accounts, committed to OU uh, silently, left campus, thought it over a little bit, ended up with Ole Miss. You know, you think you have to go get these guys, and then we start lining up these visits, and then boom, all of a sudden, a freshman All-American hits the portal. He's got plenty of years to play. 
you know, what, how do you really manage that as a coach, you know, Venables, how, how is he moving these pieces? Well, it's got to be tough. And, and to lead into two real quick uh, names about that, you know, Anthony Lucas, the near five-star defensive tackle from last year from uh, Arizona who went to A&M is now in the portal. He was very interested in OU in 2022. I loved him on film. When I heard OU did make his final four, I kind of had a, a small recruiting pity party. He's now in the portal. He He's probably 6'5", 280, 285 right about now. So you could play him as a big end or move him inside to, to defensive tackle. So I don't know if that's – if he's really – if he – if he reciprocates that interest in OU, that makes things really interesting. And then another guy uh, who came on campus, sorry, he just came on the, in the portal from Maryland, a name that we've just gotten word on that OU's really interested in is Mosiah Nasili Kite, who um, is from Maryland, apparently. His film at Maryland is really, really good. And then, you know, and then the other name that's that's out there, I'm not sure OU's got much of a shot, is um, Justin Rogers, the five-star, fringe five-star defensive tackle from Kentucky. Um, it looks like he's going to go to LSU or Auburn or Miami. Um, I guess OU could get a final visit, maybe. So just there you have, you know, three players that have entered the portal in the last two days that have sort of upset what OU's D-line order might be. And there were two other offers that we'll talk about real quick before we circle back to the 2023 class. Uh, a lot to talk about from Orlando. But we did throw an offer to former Norman product Jake Roberts, tight end. Stands at 6'6", 250. Uh, was at UNT last year. His younger brother, Nate, is a 2025 recruit that, Chris, you really like. So I think it'd be it'd be nice if uh, OU could pull Roberts, another tight end on campus. It allows a little flexibility with Cade McIntyre hitting uh, campus soon. Possibly move him to defense, get him some rep there. There's a lot of upside to Jake. He's a great blocker, um, and gives you a shoe in on Nate Roberts, who is Chris, by all accounts, a blue chip tight end. Well, as a high school sophomore, he had over 770 yards receiving um, at the tight end position. So I think that says it all. He's 6'4", 6'5", you know, 220 right now. Who knows how big it'll be when he's he's getting ready to sign. So, you know, Jake has been very productive at UNT. Um, he's a good receiver. He's a very good blocker. You add him to Austin Stogner, and that gives OU a veteran tight end presence to maybe play a little more two tight end looks with two real tight ends, receiving targets, big receiving targets. And again, as you mentioned on McIntyre, one thing I'm noticing is that the 2024 high school tight end crop is, is much better and deeper than the 23 crop. There's a couple of guys who use really targeting who I'll just say they look much better than McIntyre at tight end, but as we've mentioned all along, McIntyre has that frame and athleticism that, you know, after 
a redshirt year, he could be 6'4", 230, 240, and you could easily move him to like a rush outside linebacker. And just real quick, that other offer is to another wide receiver. Andrell Anthony Jr. Uh, stands about 6'2", 175. He announced recently that he is leaving Michigan. Um, he's been off injured, hasn't really played very much, but he is uber talented at a high school. He does claim an OU offer. He claims a lot of Power 5 offers. Uh, it's It's kind of unclear how serious we are with him right now. With all these other prospects, there's probably going to be more guys hitting the portal. So that's a name to watch. We don't really have too much information on him yet. So uh, stick yeah, his to the offers. Board. His offers don't match his production. They just, they just don't at this point. It's got to be a projection, possibly uh, hoping that you know he's he's injury free now and can can kind of reach that potential that he had out of high school, but. You know, if you're offering a guy that with with less than four years of eligibility, you know, you'd hope it'd be somebody more sure than Andrell. Um, well, actually, actually, he he's got like three years, I think, to play. Okay, I was thinking too. So that 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 changes things up a little bit. But his, I mean, he had like less than 15 catches um, and less than 200 yards of receiving last year at Michigan. So it's. It's a strange offer, but if he's got blazing speed, it, it could be one where you know all the teams are are just figured that they'll they they're going to pull that out of him. Well, stick to Sooners360.com for the latest there. Uh, we're we're going to continue to update portal guys as visits come in, uh, visit reviews, uh, more guys hit the portal. We'll have some evals there as well. Uh, we're going to have a couple evals posted here soon about. Uh, Schaefer and possibly another uh, portal guy or two here coming up. Um, but perhaps the biggest news, surprisingly, of the last week was the Under Armour All American game took place down in Orlando, chock full of OU 2023 players. Uh, you had PA Adebayore down there, you had Jackson Arnold leading the quarterbacks. Uh, and a handful of other guys. We're going to jump in with some player reviews from down there. Uh, Barry, what do you think about PJ and how he did? Well, let me preface this because on the on the notes, I, I know uh, Chris is going to be coming at me on this one because uh, those on 360 know that I gave PJ a uh, a 90 out of 100. Is that true, Chris? I, I believe that is correct. I, I have a screenshot of that in case you try and change it. <laughs> so I, I gave him that 90 and one, just I'm, I'm a hard grader um, when it comes to that. If a guy like Vasek would have been in the class, I probably would have given him a 92 or a 93, just so people have some some context. And there was a few things that, I wasn't concerned about because the guy's an elite prospect. So concern is a relative term in this regard. Uh, but there was a little bit of this, uh, can he play with his link, right? That there's a few things that, you know, everybody on the board and, and the people we chat with know that I, I've seen with his game where he can sometimes lose a little bit of that 
upper body control, right? Where, where his chest can kind of flare up in certain scenarios. He maybe takes an extra step here or there. But what I saw from him in, in the highlights of the, not, not just the game itself, but the, the drill work and the different things he was doing, not only is he not the player that he was to start and then really into the middle of his high school season this past year, I think he's going to have a real chance to see action when he gets to Norman in fall. He has really changed his body. He has gotten to where he's playing with a, a little bit better natural lean, which was one of the things that a guy like Vasek, it was noticeable on film that the, the lean was better, the ability to play with good leverage was just a little bit better. And I think that's why you know certain sites had Vasek as a higher rated prospect, uh, just to be honest. Uh, the, the technical piece of, like I talked about earlier, setting up moves throughout a game, like really having a strategy as opposed to, you know, just playing sort of a free wielding game, being more strategic about it. But all he showed was that he is extremely explosive. He has insane length. I mean, right now he has NFL level measurables. And I don't know if you've had a guy at Oklahoma. I'm trying to think of, in the way back wind machine, if OU's had a guy like this in terms of just the length, the power, the speed. I mean, the last defensive line prospect at all would have to be Gerald McCoy. You know, if you're, if you're I think you'd have to go back to in the way, way back machine, the last like pass rushing defensive end like this would have to be Cedric Jones from the. The Gary Gibbs years. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So, so I mean, all the, he did was who was the who was the first round pick of the Giants and had a very good NFL career. That I mean, great point. And then PJ right now has first round measurables, and he's going to get first round development uh, under BV and the staff that he has there. Well, so, I, if you listen to the roundtable, if if you guys haven't listened to our roundtable, we did. You need to listen to that. You know, I made. What well, seemed like a bold prediction where I said PJ was going to be the defensive freshman of the year in the Big 12 next year. Well, if, if I could bet on that, I would be like double and tripling down on this. Um, he was the, according to lots of sources, he was the best looking defensive line. He was the best looking defensive end there, but he was also probably the best looking defensive lineman there. And that includes Pete Woods and David Hicks. He's he's right now uh, somehow he's only a he's he's a five star composite, but he is ranked in the fifties by several of the other services, and I think there's a very good chance PJ is a consensus top ten player uh, on all services by the by the time the the rankings get updated. Is he a consensus top ten player on Barry's new rankings after that showing? One, so if I'm, I'm probably going to be bumping him to a 92, just based on that. A lot of the the 90 was high school film, uh, some of the what he was middle, you know, kind of the early, you know, third quarter 
three quarters through the season. Um, but I, I think he's a different player. And I think if you're a scout or somebody who keeps up with this, you would be uh, very dishonest to say otherwise. Yeah, if I, if I was OU right now, considering the fact his brother is probably going to be, you know, a second round or a third round pick. Um, if I was OU right now, I think PJ's youngest brother, I think he's like 14. I think OU should just go ahead and offer the kid. And 100%. just for a frame of reference for everybody, Barry was definitely one of the harder graders out of any of us. Um, yes. You know, he's had PJ at 90. He's he's saying maybe 92. Um, you know, he's got Vicker a little bit higher than that. He's got Petaway a little bit higher than that. He's got Arnold a little bit higher than that. And that's it. Oh, I said Peyton Bowen's at 93. So, you know, plenty of guys that we've talked about that are, are you know, top 50 talents. And finally, Barry seeing the light and moving PJ up there. <laughs> Had to. That's what you want a player to do. You, you When a player goes out there on a big stage, against equal talent and and shows out the way pj did that's why all of these uh other recruiting sources and sites are also moving him up when you go out there and aren't afraid to compete with the absolute best at your position and in the game that that is how you grow your status as a blue chip prospect and just just real quick for for context for anybody that uh, missed the game, uh, it is on ESPN Plus currently. If you uh, want to pull that up and watch that, um, there's also a lot of clips on Twitter. All you really have to do is search Under Armour All American. You can find a lot. Uh, I do know that some of the YouTube channels from the the national services like Two Four Seven and Rivals had a lot of practice clips as well. So you want to catch PJ, uh, there's a lot of sources out there to pull some film, check how he practiced, uh, check out the game as well. Uh, another standout from down there, a lot of discussion about him as well coming out of it. Quarterback Jackson Arnold. Consensus, five-star. There's a little question there as to whether he is a pro-pocket guy, a dual-threat guy. I think he's all of the above. Chris, and I think that dis- I think that recruiting distinction just needs to go away. I think it's kind of ridiculous at this point, especially now. I mean, who is? I mean, I mean, Jalen Hurts is you know, has had the you know, arguably one of the best, arguably the best season in the NFL. I mean, the the, the labels are the the drop back passer label is meaningless at this point. Uh, completely agree. I mean, I think that's a it, it's kind of a weird conversation to have at this point. Um, so but, I don't know why, but, but Arnold, you know, he, he showed out down there, uh, in the game, he had the only passing touchdown. He was the leading rusher out of anybody out there. I think he was the leading pass yard, uh, quarterback out there. Um, by all accounts practiced very well, uh, to all layers of the field. Uh, uh Chris, what, what are you hearing about, uh, his, his job down there? Well, I heard he did. You know, there's some this there's some mixed opinions over on rivals that said he sort of had an up and down camp that's not been been relayed by on three or two four seven or ESPN. So um, but you know, 
different folks, you know, see different things. But he was the best quarterback, you know, according to the the information I got, he was the best quarterback there. And there's now a serious discussion as to whether he is the number one quarterback in the country. I think the only thing missing um, from the Under Armour event was uh, Malachi Nelson was hurt. He had sh- he had shoulder surgery, so we didn't get to see Arnold to we didn't see Arnold going head to head with his uh, OU verbal predecessor. I'd have liked to have seen that. And uh, the guy I think is the only real competition to to Arnold. Um, uh, Dante Moore is over at the Army game. So uh, Arnold was the best quarterback at Under Armour. It's not really much of a doubt. I, I think if you're talking about the top three, once the Army game's done, I think you're talking about the top three high school quarterbacks in the country are probably Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold, and um, I, I don't think you can you can I don't think you can hold. Hold it against Nico uh, Imiova. I didn't get that pronunciation near, near near right, but I'm not a Tennessee recruiting guy, so I don't it have to learn that. Two years to figure that one out. Um, I don't have to. I don't have to learn that name. He he practiced with Tennessee, so he couldn't attend the game. Much like um, Derek LeBlanc practiced with OU, so he couldn't play in the game. That was a little disappointing too, because I know there were a number of recruiting folks that really wanted to see Derek LeBlanc work out. Um, there's a lot of Florida folks that think that OU has got a massive steal in Derek. Um, so it was uh, it was disappointing he wasn't able to to go through the kind of go through that process as well. But um, you know, Jackson Arnold had a fantastic, you know, he's it's just another capstone to what he's been doing the last nine months. Um, I think a couple of players that um showed out in the game and also showed out in the practices. Caden Green is already ranked pretty highly on a couple of services. But, you know, for example, on three doesn't have Caden Green ranked very highly at all. And I think Green had a fantastic week uh, at the Under Armour. I think he was probably the number one or number two offensive lineman at the event. Uh, In the game itself, Lewis Carter just flashed that kind of will cheetah linebacker play that you want. He made like three back-to-back plays where he was just all over the field. Uh, tackles in the backfield, deflecting passes, working on, you know, attacking the perimeter, just showing everything that we think Lewis Carter can be. And then I think overall, um, Jacoby Johnson in the game looked really good. He was blanketing receivers. He got a couple of pass deflections in there. And I think the question we've kind of all been wondering is, is can Jacoby Johnson be a college cornerback? Because if he can, with his speed and his size and his length, I mean, these are like ideal pro numbers, 6'3", you know, 185, 190 pounds, excellent downfield speed. And he was kind of showing that even though no one in Oklahoma would throw the ball at him, folks threw the ball at him in the Under Armour game, and he was more than up for that challenge. Well, Barry, what what do you think about Jacoby? He's a he's a guy from close to your area. Um, he's he's got a lot of length. He's got some explosion. Um, you, you have mentioned recently that um, maybe not as much explosion as you thought based on some of his basketball film. What's what's your latest projection on Jacoby? Yeah, I still think he's a guy who is going to rely on his length. But 
that does not mean that he doesn't have uh, enough explosion. Um, I actually like his his speed, his jumping off one foot. A lot of that looks really, really good. Um, I was kind of impressed with his ability to close the distance on a few of those uh, throws. He Part of that's his length, but then some of that has just been his development. It seems like when you watch him, he has gotten with someone and has worked on being a college cornerback. There are some things that he was doing just with his feet work and, and the, the limited amount of steps. Um, I, I actually talk about uh, Josiah Wagner in this regard, who sounds like he's probably going to be getting the look at safety for Oklahoma, but plays very economical as as few steps in a given play as possible utilizes really good explosiveness. Um, I don't think Jacoby's going to be a guy who is going to necessarily like blow away everybody on the on the vertical jump or do anything like that. It's going to be solid, uh, but I think he's a guy who has good speed, uh, good to great speed, and I think if he can continue improving his body and improving his strength, uh, a guy at 6'3", I mean, he he might be what OU wanted to get in the, uh, we'll call it the previous regime, out of a guy like Justin Harrington, right? He He's what you want at a cornerback position if you're trying to just shut down an entire side of the field and and really minimize where a team can go. Well, I think oh, – go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I think – you know, I think Jacoby – I think he just – you know, for me, he just – he just flashed that okay, he 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 know he can really be a cornerback. It's not we don't it's not gonna be one week in the spring practice is like and Jacoby Johnson has moved to wide receiver. Um, you know, like, okay, well that that's that's kind of predictable. I think he just really flashed that, you know, because we just just don't we just don't see it in film because no one throws at him. But like I said, we, he was that really good wide receivers down there that he was playing against, and he was not in any way, shape, or form overmatched by them. And speaking of wide receivers down there, uh, Jaquazy Petaway also in attendance. Uh, he, he did not play in the game. We are wondering if uh, he, he might have, uh, you know, re-injured himself, kind of a nagging injury there. But before that, throughout the practices, got a lot of rave reviews. I know both of you guys are super high on Petaway. Um, I believe Barry, he was one of your highest rated looks like second highest rated recruit of the class tell me a little bit about petaway so th- there was a a bit of highlight tape or kind of just drill work that was posted by one of his uh, trainers that he works with on social media and i am putting it very uh very lightly and this is probably a, a slight against him to say that when he ran the drills, it looked like a third or fourth year division one receiver who's going to be looking at, you know, possibly going to the NFL in the next year or so. Um, it looked like a guy like that doing drills with a bunch of guys who are obviously just coming out of high school or in high school. He does so many subtle things with his body 
you know, there was one clip where uh, they're doing a little kind of almost like an in and out move. If you were going to explain it to someone uh, like with basketball, it's basically just a little floating step into a shuffle step. And, and the the details that he has in terms of where he puts his shoulders, how he turns his hips, the things that make a move sell at the college level. Right. Because in high school, you can get by with just being fast and explosive. But in the college game, when that uh, when that line is is shrunk and now you've got to have the details in your game, you've got to be able to give that illusion or and be deceptive with the body and with the moves. And not only does he have top end speed, uh, but he has the ability to hit those subtle things and the route running. He plays extremely low. I mean, that's one of the things that you notice right off the bat. And it's where C.D. Lamb improved his game the most when he came back um, in that Jalen Hurts year and just had a monster year. Uh, kind of the same deal with with Petaway. Well, Petaway, yeah, and- he really shocked me with, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, he looked like he was NFL ready. He definitely looks like it from a body development standpoint uh i know there was a picture posted on twitter by i think it was one of the recruits dads it had all the guys lined up down in orlando and the first comment was kind of wondering you know hey do i get this right and he listed off all the guys he actually flipped petaway and carter which is kind of interesting petaway he, he looks Fully developed, he looks like he's going to walk in, be in the two deep, right away. Yeah, and he's he's ranked, you know, he's ranked one sixty nine on on three, and they thought he, uh, you know, and and on three was one of the one of the one of the services that had a lot of folks down in Orlando. So it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't have his ranking bumped up quite a bit. Um, the Army game. Has just uh, sorry, it's the army. I keep calling it the army game. It's the All American Bowl in San Antonio. It's the old army game. I wish they would just get a sponsor name for it, so I could I could get that out of my head. Yeah, and it's OU confusing. Has, and and OU has four players there: um, Makari Vickers, uh, Josiah Wagner, Samu Masigo, and uh, Josh Bates. And there's been some smattering of updates there. It sounds like Vickers is. Just as we expected, just a physically, physically dominating wide receivers. I watched a clip of him where he was covering a covering a wide receiver, and it was clear that he kind of physically knocked the kid around a little bit, and the kid fell, you know, fell down on the route because I don't think he was used to being um, having somebody as strong as Makari kind of kind of physically working him a little bit, and um, and the other, you know, Wagner's looked good. He, you know, he's he's always kind of looking good. Uh, he's he's you know he's he's gonna be a very solid player I think for OU and you know a fantastic nickelback if OU can find a way to get him on the field, but Sam you know Omasigo again just looks like a thousand bucks looks like first team first team off the bus guy and and he may be bigger maybe maybe bigger than he was you know during the last time we kind of got a measurement on him which was during the summer you know folks were saying he was like you know six one two oh five something in that range. According to some folks that have seen him in uh, in in um, San Antonio, he just looks bigger. Um, so someone said they, they thought he was maybe six two, almost two twenty. And if he's starting to put on that kind of good weight already, 
Um, that's that's a good sign for that's a good sign for OU. And then uh, just just one last topic for you, uh, Matt. You're starting to get a little bit of a backlash about Arch Manning not attending these games. You're starting to hear Arnold getting a lot more talk about being the number one quarterback. And I, and I honestly think that there's a, you know, Steve Wiltfong in a, in a chant session said he thought Arnold was number one. So I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, if, you know, him missing these games is just going to give a lot more momentum to Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold in terms of um, pushing their profile you know, a little higher and maybe making, and, you know, Manning didn't have a very good end of his season, their playoff game. He didn't perform very well. So I think him skipping this and not, you know, not being willing to to perform against the best kids, the best of the best. You know, I just, I, I've been waiting for, a rec- for the recruiting services to kind of have a backlash about that. Cause he's, you know, he's costing them money. I mean, the Under Armour game didn't have Arch Manning in it. That That's a huge publicity hit that's a huge tv viewer hit um neither and he's not at the army at the all-american game all-american game either i'm gonna i'm gonna make that transition at some point um so it, i just wonder if you're gonna see perhaps manning's gonna fall from his va- vaunted number one status and and perhaps find himself as the number three or four quarterback of the nation which would be fine and i have a huge problem with that but you know as to well you know barry was talking about pj competing against the best of the best and and proving he was a better, you know, that he was, he might be the best. Well, I don't, I don't know how you can say Arch Manning's the best quarterback in the country when he's not at either one of these games proving it. Well, it's, it's definitely an interesting discussion because it's not like he went out there, uh, had a, you know, stellar high school career, killed it, won a state title anything like that there there was never uh, i don't think his team ever got past the quarterfinals um i know they lost in the quarterfinals this year and he just kind of had a dreadful game uh statistic wise a couple turnovers uh they didn't put up a lot of points so there's a lot of unknown there other than his name now to give them a little bit of credit you know he's the he'd basically be the fourth manning to play college so and potentially the NFL. So there's there's a little bit of of genealogy there. There's a little history with the, the family. You know, maybe he does have that that ceiling. Um, but you know, you're really sticking your neck out there, putting him at one when again, like you've just said, he hasn't gone out there and competed against anybody. He wasn't at Elite Eleven. He hasn't been in at any of these other camps. I think the only one he's done is the Manning Passing Academy uh, down there in his hometown. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting career to follow, especially he's he's stepping into Texas uh, this spring. Uh, Who had a ten- bad bowl game? Had a bad bowl game on offense. Although Ewers played pretty, Ewers Ewers wasn't the reason they they lost that game. But if you were if you were a Texas fan. You you would it would be understandable if you were wondering if 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 Arch is what you need to go to the next level because Texas wasn't really very competitive in that bowl game against Washington. No, and and you know Ewers he put up some good stats. I think he had almost 400 passing yards in that game, but they were behind, so they were throwing a lot. And uh, I did see Worthy drop at least two, if not three, 
probable touchdowns. I mean, they were 40, yeah. 50, yeah. 60 yard bombs that were just kind of on the money. And that was, that was the At best. Two of them are. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best I've seen Ewers all season downfield. Um, yeah. Now he had three or four weeks to prepare for that. So maybe there were some scripted plays in there that, you know, they ran a bunch and he was really familiar with just more comfortable. So that'll be a storyline to watch going into next season. If he starts struggling a little bit, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to when Rattler and, and Williams uh, a couple seasons ago, Rattler had a shaky season. He had a good bowl game. I would call it a great bowl game against Florida. Came back the next season, got back into those struggles. And then, you know, you started the, the rumors started, the turmoil started, the boo started. Riley made the move. This is going to be an interesting one to watch. And Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams. I don't think Arch Manning is that level of talent. So that, that'll definitely be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, and then, then one last bit of, bit of news. I'm not sure if it'll end up playing, what, if it have any huge impact on OU at all. But um, the NCAA has just um, posted a letter of inquiry for, uh, to Michigan for football violations. Uh, so if any, is it level two or do we even really know yet? They've, they've got a level one charge against, um, against, uh, Jim Harbaugh, it appears. Very interesting, especially they violated, NFL rumors. Yeah, there's a, there's a level one violation against Jim Harbaugh for failure to, to cooperate with investigators. And it looks like it may be a little bit related to improper visits during, um, during COVID. Very interesting. You know, you, so, you kind of you hear so these. If, so, if, so if Jim, so if Jim Harbor wasn't thinking about an NFL job, um, not the best way to avoid an NCAA uh, to avoid talking to the NCAA is to is to go to the NFL and tell the NCAA to go uh, to you know to to get lost. And if he was to leave Michigan, um, and Michigan's you know. And Michigan had to would have to hire a new coach. That would be that would be very interesting in terms of the landscape of uh, of college football. Very interesting indeed. Um, we will kind of follow up with some of that Michigan stuff on the board. Um, we don't just talk about the Sooners. We do talk a little bit about what's going on across the country. Um, but we will continue to be talking about. Uh, some of these player reviews from the All-Star Games, uh, the Army game is, I believe, on Saturday. Um, so we'll yeah. have some more, more uh, news We'll have there. more on that next week. We'll have more on that next week. And then we'll have more about these portal guys. They're really working to get some of these guys in before the 8th um, so they can kind of lock up this class. Um, and 2024 is just around the corner. Um, we don't have any commits yet, but... I'm sure they'll start flowing soon. Chris mentioned uh, a possible junior day at the end of the month. So get on over to Sooners360.com. We were talking about all of this. You can discuss it with us. And we will see you next week with another edition of the recruiting podcast with hopefully some more commits to talk about. All right. We'll see you guys on the board.